Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. How well do different kinds of investigators work together in paranormal flap areas? What kind of expertise do people need to be investigators? Is it a great deal of standard education? Is that a help or a hindrance to an investigator? Hey, oh, wow, can't talk. Hello there, and welcome to the 569th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those expert questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening, we bring you one of the UK's most forward-thinking investigators and well-known voice in the media there, and uh, we welcome your calls this evening. It's 800 800- Four four nine one two four zero, or from anywhere in the U.S. And that's from anywhere U.S. and Canada, or four or four zero one seven six six one two four zero. That is locally. Also, we will monitor emails. That is Paul at behindtheparanormal.com for emails. Okay, and I have to tell you that we're on one of our eccentric overseas connections this evening to the U.K. So uh, we. If you do call in, you're welcome to do so, but Ben will have to relay the question to the guest because we, he can't uh, really hear you very well. Uh, we do suggest, though, that you email us, paul at behindtheparanormal.com, which we will be monitoring, and many of our U.K. listeners who don't want to break their phone bills might want to do that because I know they're all breaking out the champagne tonight for Derek Savory. He is a civilian eyewitness to one of the sightings during the landmark Rendlesham Forest UFO incidents of 1980. He has been working on uh, his own, <coughs> excuse me, and with other witnesses and groups to learn more about UFOs uh, ever since. Derek accompanied Ben and I on two visits to Rendlesham Forest in 2012, and he is one of the researchers who takes a broader view of this and other flap areas than just UFOs or just ghosts, etc. He is an electrician by trade and lives on the North Sea coast in Felixstowe. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, you are. Well, hey, look so. at that. It's got to be my, my British genes. Uh, in the county of Suffolk. So, Derek Savory, welcome Suffolk. to Behind the Paranormal. Hello there, guys. How are we doing? All right? Oh, pretty doing, fair, pretty fair. Better doing, than Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Right. So, first, can you tell us about your uh, 1990, or 1990, 1980 sighting? Yes, I can. In 1980, I lived in the next county in Essex, in a place very near to Clapton-on-Sea. And round about quarter past eleven at night, I was driving home with my friend. We'd just dropped his girlfriend off. Driving back to where we lived in a little village called Weirdy near Clacton, and we see a big ball of fire falling out of the sky. And I'm more a big ball of fire. And I remember my friend saying, if that hits Clacton, that's going to total Clacton. That's how big it was. But then it changed direction and headed towards Harwich. So we just carried on trying to follow it. And then we, 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 we lost it as, as like windy roads to get through to Harwich. And anyway, we, we, we couldn't believe what we'd seen. And we got home and the, the next day I looked in the paper, nothing. And the following day I rung up the local paper and they'd been inundated with calls with the amount of people that had seen this ball of fire. But what they reported and what people actually see were two different things. They reported it probably as a satellite falling out the sky or a meteorite. They didn't report the fact that it was controlled as much as it fell out the sky and then changed direction. When I looked at the map, I see that we would have headed towards Suffolk. Well, in them days, we didn't know nothing about um, the Venetian Forest incident. And it wasn't until a few years later that I joined Essex UFO Group. And then I found out about the Venetian incident. And then I realised it same night. It was the 27th 
of December 1980. Wow. And I remember the time. I remember the time because as we drove past the local pub in the village, everyone was staying outside because the pubs used to shut at 11 o'clock. Well, everybody got turned out of the pub at 11 o'clock. And all these people were standing there watching it as well. And all along the road, all the way to Harwich, when we were trying to follow this thing, people were standing there, dog walkers, and people were staring up watching it. There was hundreds of people seeing it. Hundreds. And, and that really sort of affected me. I thought, well, what the hell is that? Because I looked for answers because there was nothing on the TV. What was in the paper was rubbish, basically. They didn't report what people had seen. So I joined Essex UFO Group, and I've always been a nuts and bolts UFO person, basically. Mm -hmm. Until the week you guys come down in 2012. Now, if you remember, when you was in the forest, a pair of you was in the forest, I think it was a Friday night, yes. um, Ben picked up on something of the paranormal, like the spirit side of things. And, it, and I think it's something like this place is inundated with stuff. Yeah, am I, am I correct there? Um, that, anyway, that you don't need to talk that weekend. The following weekend, my brother and my son, my brother came up from Devon, and my son came to stay. My brother was going to stay a few days, and he was going to come, initially he was coming to see you guys, but unfortunately he got waylaid and he couldn't make it to the following week, so he missed you. Oh, but basically... We went to the forest the following Saturday. It was October the 1st. I think it was a Saturday. No, was it? no Monday, I think it was. But October the 1st, we went to the forest, yeah? And it was about 7.30 in the evening. Um, we met with a guy, Jonathan, who you also met. Yes. He met us from the forest. We stood there, and we noticed 25 to 8, because he said the time. And we stood there talking for about half an hour. We walked down to track 12, which, if you remember, you walked up, and that's the track that heads to Capel Green, where Larry had his encounter. Larry Warren, right. We yep. that's, that's correct. We walked up to the track, and then Jonathan said, I can't join you guys. And he said, I'll let you guys go. And he said, I've hurt me back. I can't really join in with, I can't walk far. At the time, the owls were going ballistic. These owls were, I've never, I mean, I've been going there nearly every week since. I've never heard the owls so, making so much noise in my life. They were going mad. Well, we set off, me and my brother and my son, we set up off track 12, and it was a full moon, and the moon was directly in front of track 12. Directly in front of it, lit up the whole track. And we hadn't got torches or cameras or, cameras or anything with us. We just had our mobile phones, basically. We walked up to the track, we got to what we call the crossroads. Derek, let me interrupt you for just a minute. I, uh, there, there's a, a, Americans generally think of a track as a railway track, okay? So I, I just want to explain oh, to our U.S. Oh. listeners that uh, yeah. Derek is talking about a, a footpath or a trail. So I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I still want oh, to think we're dodging trains here. <laughs> no, I'll call it a track. So we walked up to the trail to where the crossroads was, and then my brother... Uh, said, I can sense some strange stuff here, Dad. He said, I sort of sense evil here and evil over that way. And he pointed to where, basically, where Larry's site was. Anyway, we, we milled around there for a bit and I felt disorientated. I, I, I didn't know where I was going. And we all three of us felt a bit strange. And then we carried on a bit further up towards Cable Green to the top end of this, this trail. And then everything kicked off. 
the temperature dropped so cold I couldn't explain how cold it was. My brother suddenly said, Del, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And we've looked round and to our left, all these shadow soldiers appeared. And I swear to God, they were shadow soldiers. And then to the other side of us, these small monks appeared. They were about four foot tall, four and a half foot tall. And we just stood there staring and then in front of us was a giant. Now I know this sounds absolutely ridiculous. I know well, I it's bad it sounds, but I'm telling the truth. Here, right? There was three of us stood there and seen this. Yeah. Oh, that's it, you've seen some photos. The giant must have been well over ten foot tall. It had very long arms and extremely long fingers and it looked frightening. In fact, when I, we looked at the sort of the face of it, I don't know if it was wearing a mask or if it was his face. We called it the Owl Man. We didn't know how, how else to describe it. It looked a bit like an Anglo-Saxon helmet, actually, the face or mask, if it was wearing a mask. And it sort of started coming towards us. And we stood there and we, we just didn't know what was going on. We just stood there staring at all these things surrounding us. And then my brother kept saying, Del, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. So I said, well, we, we better back up a bit here. And we, we didn't honestly know what to do. And I'm starting worrying now because I'm thinking I'm leading my brother and my son into danger. Now these things are like holograms. If you went to touch them, you, I think your hand would pass through them, yeah? Mm -hmm. Although the giant looks a bit more solid, to be truthful. And I said, well, look, let's just back up. And just as I said that, there's a, something whacked a tree, like something like a, a warning light bugger off, basically. But at the same time, we could see these little red glowing lights popping up in the forest all over the place like we was being watched so we backed up about 20 foot and we stood there still surrounded by these things staring at them and we we didn't know what to do we, I was, we was frightened there's no mistake we should have really have run at that point but i've just got to tell you i can't run about years ago six years ago i had a stroke so there's no chance of me running anywhere uh. fear no fear but the strange thing was we was frightened, but we felt protected. Really strange feeling. And then, and then well, so we moved back about 20 foot, and then my brother said, I, I, I can breathe now, Dale, and the temperature had risen a bit, but we were still surrounded by these things. So we stood there trying to make sense of what we was looking at, and then my son said, Dad, Dad, the giant, the giant. And the giant was getting closer and closer. So we backed up and backed up, and in a nutshell, we basically got escorted out the forest. Now you have walked up that trail, so you know how long it takes, about three quarters of an hour, yeah, mm -hmm. to walk up that trail. Those things escorted us all the way back to the road, three quarters of an hour, right? We were surrounded, monks one side, shadow soldiers the other, and the giant blocking our way. We obviously <laughs> wasn't going to go anywhere with that giant. Yeah. We got back, stepped onto the road, and they all vanished. So we went quickly back up the road to the car park where where you was, that little car park. We got back to the car park, open, open, unlocked the car, we opened the car doors up to let a bit of light out, we lit a cigarette up and we stood, the three of us stood there, shaking, worrying what had happened. And then my brother said, Dale, look, look. And my son said, Dad, Dad, behind you, behind you. These little two-foot silvery blue things appeared, about five of them. Same thing again, hologram things in that car park. And we stood there, we just, well, we were shocked. And then the 
ground started to shake like a train or something was passing underground. At this really? point, okay. at this point, my brother said, get us out of here. So we jumped in the car, and I kid you not, I kicked it down flying up that road. I must have been doing 90 up the road. <laughs> got, I got to the end of the road, and my brother said, do when you can, pull over. So I pulled over, he said, not here, just get us out of the forest. Then pull over. So I got us out of the forest, got up the road, pulled over. So I thought my brother wanted to be sick, because we was shaking. We was totally shaking. And then my brother said, look, um, he, rolled, he took his coat off and rolled up his shirt and he had blood coming down from each, soul, from each shoulder. Something had got hold of him or zapped him or something. But there was no holes in his jacket or his shirt. And anyway, we was really shocked. Wow. So we drove back to my house, which is in Phoenixstow, which is about 45 minutes drive from Mendisham. Walked at the door and we looked at the clock and the clock said 5 to 10. Well... We, we said we couldn't have done that, what, what we've done in the time. You know, the time didn't seem right. Anyway, we walked in the door, my son grabbed his laptop and said, Dad, I'm going to look up Demons and Giants. He opened up the laptop and before he pushed any buttons, something took over it. And it was like something was trying to communicate. And actually the words Demons and Giants just come up on the computer. He hadn't done nothing, you know. <laughs> his brother freaked out. I said, look, Andrew, Matthew, I said, just shut the computer down, shut it down. So we sat there, I got me mobile out, because I hadn't got a proper camera, I just had me camera on my phone, and I took some pictures of my brother's injuries, and we sat down for a couple of hours discussing what we'd seen, and then my brother said, because my brother was going to stay for a few days, he said, Dale, I'm out of here, I'm going home. I said, we've going home. I said, you've got like six and a half hours drive back to Devon. He said, Del, I'm going home. He said, I don't know what on earth you've got here, but I'm getting out of here. He said, he works on the own anyway. He said, but I'm going. And he'd done that. He got in his car and drove all the way back to Devon. That, that, you're right, that's a six-hour drive. That is. Oh and he, he, he didn't speak to me about it for a year. That's how shook up he was. It's over a year, actually, that he spoke to me about it. And then we discussed it. My son was all right. And I could never understand why my brother got hurt and me and my son didn't, because all three of us stood there. We all know what we see. I mean, to be honest, had I been on my own, I would have thought I was having a breakdown. Mm -hmm. All right? That's how... But I wasn't, obviously, for the three of us. Well, after that night, I teamed up with Brenda Butler and a, a group of other people, and then I realised that this is as much paranormal as UFOs. And I thought, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, in, in my opinion, I've, then a few months afterwards, Brenda told me that she had very similar experience with another group of people, a Zep, in the same spot with a giant. It would appear, as in, in our, this is a, only our view, there's quite a few, a few of us that share this view, there was a portal or gateway at the top of that trail, and we believe that the, the, the gateway opened that night, and basically, this giant and these shadow soldiers were stopping us going forward any further in entering the, the gateway or portal, whatever they call it. Mm -hmm. Hence why we wasn't, I say it wasn't threatened, obviously we were scared, you would be seeing all these things around you. But basically, that's why we couldn't enter, go any further up into the, up to Capel Green, they just blocked our way. Yeah.
Cape, uh, Cape Green, uh, for, for those who don't know, is, is a, essentially a farmer's field where Larry Warren, one of the primary U.S. Air Force eyewitnesses to the 1980 incident, had uh, his experience of the landed craft. But, uh, Derek, I, just, I know Ben has a few more questions, but I wanted to, uh, to make a few comments. Now feel free. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. If, okay. if, I can't speak for Ben, but if, if we hadn't been there ourselves to this place, we, we would yeah. be you know, rolling our eyes now at what you were saying. But we, we've been there, and we've, a lot of strange things happen, not as strange as that. But the photography alone, I mean, you remember that night because you were with us. Uh, some Not photographs sure. were taken that had I, had I not been there when they were taken, I would have thought they were faked. And if anyone wants to look uh, on our show website, behindtheparanormal.com, there is a Talking Points page for this. Just go to the Talking Points link and hit the year 2015, and this is the only one that's there so far. Uh, and there are some interesting <sighs> photographs that uh, uh, from that and from that Derek has provided as well that uh, as I say if we hadn't seen it with our own eyes well, we, we wouldn't have, have believed it well just let me tell you something when you gave your talk yeah yeah I rolled my I rolled my eyes a little bit because up to that point I was a nuts and bolts UFO person mm -hmm. I have ghosts before and I have seen some paranormal activity but up to that point I'd never seen, I mean, this was a mother of all <laughs> encounters that we had one week after you spoke. Yes. And I remember back to some of the things that you guys were talking about and some of the things you said. Uh, at the time, didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, bearing in mind, it's very hard for you guys doing a talk in front of a room full of people that have probably had possibly more experience than what you have. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I wasn't included at in that at that point in time I didn't really fully understand where you was coming from but since one week later after my experience and since then I've had a lot more other things happen on my head um, it blew me away I thought blimey you know you, you guys are onto something there I won't say we're totally doing everything no no well, but yeah, we could be wrong but, but yeah uh, you was you were spot on I mean I remember um, Ben Ben he he, he he said something, I believe, something along the lines of like there was so many, a lot of different things there. A lot of bad spirits, good spirits, I believe. I can't remember the exact term you use now. But you were spot on, Ben. You were spot on, I'll tell you. I try. So I <laughs> well, I posted some pictures to you. Yeah, you've seen the pictures. So yeah, they're on, the, uh, they're on that Talking Points page. Well, on, on the website, pictures, yeah, yeah. Two of those pictures taken right by East Gate. Mm-hmm. Right by Eastgate. So just to give you I've got some more that have taken the car park as park as well actually. You guys were spot on with what you picked up on and you was in the right place for it. I mean we've got around about five thousand pictures like what I've posted to you to give you some idea. But we have one one major edge and I'll get to that in a minute with a spirit box and that, yeah? Because I know you guys aren't totally um, agreement with Spirit Box, but just let me explain something to you. Mm -hmm. Brenda Butler is gifted. Yeah, we know Brenda. And, yep. Yeah, she is very gifted. I have stood in the forest with a group of people, and she's on with something standing there, and you can't. You can sense something, and you hear, if you've got EMF meters, they go off, 
But if she says there's something standing there, there's something standing there. And she would take a picture of it. And I was getting frustrated because she's getting pictures of stuff and I wasn't getting nothing. <laughs> so I handed, her, I handed her my camera. And she still got the pictures. In fact, everybody hands her their camera and she gets the pictures. She's obviously in tune. She's a medium as well, I might add. And she's in tune with something that, and she's able to take pictures other people can't take. Now, I've looked into this and we've found a few people like it. And you, and now obviously we do tours at the forest, usually with Brenda. We have groups from all over the world basically come to Rendlesham. So you can imagine the, the different people we meet up with. But now we've got more groups working together at Rendlesham. We've got Suffolk Skywatchers. We've got Suffolk Paranormal. We've had Norfolk Paranormal. Yeah. We've now got a few more paranormal groups that, that working with us. Mm-hmm. And, and when we tried the spirit box thing, this was an idea I had. There is a guy in this, there was a couple of people here, but there's a guy that was telling some of the stuff that he'd seen in the forest. And I contacted this guy and he agreed to meet us in the forest. And he's gifted with a spirit box or a recorder. Will it be a spirit box or recorder? This guy's gifted like Brenda, only with a recorder. So, in other words, we're talking about, instead of photography, we're talking about uh, electronic voice phenomena or EVPs that this thing picks up. That's right. right. That's right. Okay. Well, we, we went into the forest, up to the, the big hole. I don't know if you remember the big hole. Yes. Did you get, yes, you did get the big hole, yes. yes. Well, we, we, we sat on the top of the bench, and there were seven of us with the Suffolk Paranormal Group and me, Brenda, and Bev. And we... Four of us sat at the table there, and the rest of them went off into the big hole to do some other type of research. Anyway, this Joe, he started doing the, the, the spirit box, he switched on and asked if anybody was there. And after, well, within a few minutes, something come through, it locked onto the spirit box. So he said, you know, is there any spirits there? They'd like to come forward and speak. Well, how many spirits are there? They said five. He says, is there any star people there? They said, yes, there's four. Anyway, then as the conversation went on, he said, well, look, just to test this out, so to prove the point, he said, who's sitting opposite me? They said, Brenda. And that was clear as a bell. He said, who's sitting next to Brenda? They said, Derek. And by now, we've, and he asked a few other tester questions, and we couldn't believe what he was hearing. But then it gets even more weirder, because then uh, another spirit come through, and he said, um, can you tell us your name? And he said, Kevin. Well, straight away, we, we, me and Brenda both said, what, Darkstorm? Kevin Darkstorm? He said, yes. Kevin Darkstorm was based at Renisham at Bentwaters for four years. The he left in yeah. yeah, he was left in 1979, and he died the year before we'd done this test. He came through, and we could not believe what he was telling us. And he wasn't the only one, other things happened. Um, that was the first time I've ever seen a spirit box used properly by somebody who I do rate. This guy is really gifted. Um, we've tried a few experiments since, and we're trying to get it right, but working with other groups. Okay. Um, people have reservations with things, but either way, I know what I heard. We all did. We all sat there, we heard what was heard. Okay. On the second one, 
we tried the spirit box, Joe was talking, something come through, and then Joe swapped languages. He started speaking German, and the answers come back in German. Just something I thought I'd point out, do you know what I mean? So presumably, whatever language you ask, you can get the answers back in that language. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd like to hear what you've got to say about that, because I know you guys might have reservations about the spirit box business. Yes, uh... Well, the, the it, it's it really goes back to uh, believing what you're hearing. Okay, that our reservation is based on the idea that maybe what you're hearing is legitimate, or or maybe what you're hearing is not true, or it's not coming from who it says it's coming from. You know, that's the sort of thing. Yeah. The problem we have with uh, seances or anything of that kind. I because I found early on. Uh, in my work in this field that very often these are not true things and, and that when, when you say well I don't believe you're so and so everything changes I have found though the language barrier uh, I've encountered people and sometimes not people that, who don't speak English or German or anything else uh, and I remember one I had to use a very primitive form of Latin and I had a terrible time getting through it and uh, it took three days. But again, uh, and again, I'm not sure about spirits. I think these, um, especially at Rendlesham, you've got a lot of parallel physical worlds going on. And again, th this is all speculation on our well, part. I, I mean, the, you were there. I, you know, well, we I think the also, another problem is a spirit box is basically a broken radio. That's literally all it is. It, you just, I mean, I just, I, I remember once I looked up, I was like, I wonder how you even make one of these things. And it was like, oh, just take a transistor radio or just any sort of portable radio, and you cut, like, the automatic tune, like a wire that creates the automatic tuning function in your radio. And yeah. you, so you can manually sweep through, like, different signals. Now, the problem with that is, especially if you're going with AM radio signals, you have stuff bouncing around all over the ionosphere. Mm. You can pick up anything. Like you said that one time when, uh, when you were still with the Coast Guard, you did a story on how someone picked up a message from, what was it, uh, the, what was it, Queen Mary or oh, something? Oh, from the Queen Mary from, like, 50 years before. It was really There's strange. all sorts of signals bouncing around all over the place. So I can't trust that. I just, I can't. I can't base, yeah. base something on Well, you've studied this that. subject. You, I mean, yeah, you have well, a degree in it. Moderately. I'm not, an, I'm, not an elect, I'm not an electrical engineer, nor am I a broadcast engineer. All I'm saying is what I, I know a little bit about. So I'm not saying definitely this thing just doesn't work. Oh, but we, sure. have to, we have to take into account what a ghost box is. To define its function, we have to know what it is first, mm -hmm. and then assess its function. Well, on that cheerful note, let's take our bottom-of-the-hour break here. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, and our wonderful guest this evening, Derek Savory. Fascinating conversation about what's really going on in uh, these uh, strange areas, particularly Rendlesham Forest. We'll continue shortly, so stay with us. The Extra Point. Afternoons on ON 1240 Radio, bringing you local interviews, stories, and opinions on the local athletes with none other than radio great Lou Mandeville. Yes, that's me. Afternoons Monday through Friday on ON 1240. And that was brief, wasn't it? Welcome back. We're going to uh, save our announcements about our charities until the end, because I want to get back to this conversation with Derek. It's so fascinating. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I would echo Ben's concerns, not from the technical standpoint, which is his specialty, but also from the viewpoint that, you know, maybe you're not talking to something that, that is what it says it is. However, uh, the idea that you were 
having a, uh, some sort of dialogue here when they're identifying who was sitting where and this sort of thing brings up another yeah. possible problem with, with spirit boxes, and that's that uh, there is some opinion by some pe- uh, on the parts of some people that maybe there is projection going on, that whoever is using it is, uh, is projecting the information into the box. I, mean, I, I don't know about that, but it sounds it, very interesting to me. Certainly, probably paranormal. And again, you were there and we weren't. Yeah, so. that, that, that's the thing. That's why I'm making reservations. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and we respect your, your opinion and, and your expertise. And you yourself are, have a background in electricity, Derek, so it's, it's interesting stuff. Yes, that's One of the things I have that you said uh, that I really picked up on, I know Ben's got some more questions, but was that um, you felt protected. And, you know, again, had I not been there myself, I wouldn't really understand that. But when we were there that night, even when, when, and I I know Ben's very sensitive about when these things happen, but when uh, his experience was was taking place in the, uh, what we call it a parking lot, if anybody wonders what a car park is, that's... uh, or overseas cousin's way of saying a parking lot that we would say, so in case people are wondering. Uh, anyway, we, we were, um, I felt not only protected, I felt at home. And there's no yeah. logical reason for that because you know, all these goofy things are going on. So, uh, I don't know, have you had anyone else uh, say that they felt at home or protected in that situation there? Well, in, in my big encounter, yes, all three of us felt protected, although mm. my brother was totally shocked. He's probably like your Ben, actually. He's um, very sensitive with things like that. Yes. Uh, but I'll just give you another little thing that happened a few months back in May. Seven of us went down to Renishman Forest. We split in, well, there's more than that to start with, but basically we split into two groups. One group went one way, my group went another and then we was going to meet up at East Gate. And four of us got to East Gate, and we were standing there waiting for the other group to turn up. And then a, a voice in my head said, look up. And I've looked up, and I could not believe what I was seeing. There was three UFOs in the sky, for whatever better word, but that to us, they looked like lights. And all four, all th- sorry, all four of us stood there watching this, and they shot across the sky at great speed, then shot back, then dropped down, then went back flying up in the air at tremendous speed. And we're watching this, four of us. The other group were further on the forest, and they see the same thing, and Brenda got the same message, look up. So she pointed them out, and they're watching. But they had a high-spec night scope, and they could zoom in. And what they could see, obviously, these, to us were light, they could see closely what these craft were. They said one was cigar-shaped, one was disc-shaped, and one was um, a, like a triangle shape, three different craft. Mm-hmm. And they that they could see more clearly than we could. Now, the funny thing was, in my group, I had my neighbour with me, who'd never been to the forest before, was not into UFOs or paranormal, really. He'd just come along for the walk, really. And he was gobsmacked what he seen. In actual fact, he's been back with me every time I've been there since hmm. because he couldn't believe what he seen. But the fact is, that was then in May. Now, we've got no nuclear bombs for US Air Force at Bentwaters or Renisham now. There are helicopters based uh, here at Woodbridge now, but they're just army helicopters, the Apache helicopters. And sometimes we have the Osprey come over. Um, but basically, it's not like it used to be. There's no big 
planes and that base there. Mm. So there's no reason for UFOs to be there, if you like, but they are, which is why we still believe that there is a portal or gateway here. And we've seen everything you can imagine since the shadows appear a lot. We've got, like I say, we've got many pictures, day and night pictures, I might add, of strange stuff. And we've been with so many different groups that have got stuff. I mean, the groups that visit, we're not talking one or two witnesses here. We're talking hundreds of witnesses that have seen things. But it doesn't normally make the light of day because we're civilians. Had I been a police or in the army or an air force pilot or a navy captain perhaps people take me more seriously but the mm -hmm. bottom line is this normal normal guy who's had experiences but I've had experiences with groups of other people and there are many hundreds of people that have had experiences here from you name it we've probably seen this but everything there is to see appear in medicine forest yeah including which us is, mm. That's right, which is why we believe there is some sort of gateway here. Sure, sure, well, at least one. Well, that's right. Yeah. I mean, with, with, there's a guy who's got a, a video footage of a Bigfoot. Can you believe that? A Bigfoot. Oh, sure. But it yeah. it's not, wasn't a solid object again. These the things that they're being seen are basically like holograms. They're like ghosts, for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's people that have... I mean, I don't know if you know this, but you've heard of Alistair Crowley? Sure. Yeah, Alistair yep. Crowley actually rented a house at Renisham back in the 20s, I believe it was, and he practiced his witchcraft in the forest at Renisham Forest. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. Alistair Crowley, so, for those who might not know, was uh, something of a character. Uh, I, I didn't want to get into it right now. It's, we could do a whole show on him, but you can look him up on the internet. Alistair Crowley, Sarah W.L.E.Y., if people are interested. Uh, but I have to point out, too, uh, Derek, that uh, the amazing ability, as you already have pointed out, of Beverly, not Beverly, uh, I'm thinking Beverly Plumridge, Brenda. of uh, Brenda, yeah, Br Brenda Butler as a um, uh, photographer you know, of these things. Yeah, we, you know, Beverly's gift as well. She is Brenda's niece, Beverly. Oh, I didn't know that either. We, we spent the whole the two days with them. I didn't know they were related. Yeah. Okay, well, you learn yeah, something yeah. every day, yeah. But uh, B Brenda has an amazing ability, and I've seen that ability in, in many other people. And, uh, you know, she can take a photo, and it's it's right there. It's not like she's faking it, you know. And, um, no, that's right. And I, and I knew uh, Ted Serios, uh, not well, but I knew him when I, in my younger days. And Ted was, was a fellow who was well-known in this, really all over the world, and he could look into a camera and what he was thinking of would come out on the film sometimes he didn't really? even need a camera but uh, there are people who are just very unfortunately I'm not one of them very good at taking uh, f photos of these things however I have be I have not my luck isn't too bad when it comes to taking videos I get a few interesting ones there's, there's one on the Facebook site it's not from Rendlesham Forest the uh, show Facebook site um, it, it's about um, uh, it's one from the uh, Connecticut case that we talk about a lot, but there are there do seem to be people who just are very good at that. It seems like some sort of talent or some sort of connection, as you say. So Brenda certainly seems to be one of those people. I mean, I mean, with with all the different guys back in 1980 that see stuff, and and people get confused because there's so many different nights and mm -hmm. so many different people see things. 
but normally the civilians aren't often mentioned but there was a lot of civilians and that's important and, and if you look back in history the first reported sightings of a UFO activity in writing goes back to 1650 yes. over Rennish. Yeah, that's when you know and well, we got years, into that in our talk in Woodbridge that night as you remember uh, there were 10 different incidents within 20 miles of that area that, that uh, were seemingly unrelated but uh, you know the, the, you go back to Saxon times and find out things that were going on there so let me ask you this Derek uh, we're, we're always uh, very careful who we work with in, uh, yeah. in some of our cases, we, th there have been a few carefully chosen people such as engineers, hydrologists, psychologists, the occasional clergy even. And most recently we brought in uh, author Bill Hall and the Mutual UFO Network's Mark D'Antonio who is an astronomer and photo expert. We find sometimes that if you try to work with, not always, but when you try to work with, with psychics or, or mediums or some of the people you've mentioned visiting the Rendlesham Forest with, that sometimes there's a language problem. <laughs> I would call it that because we use terms in one way and they might use them in another yeah, and that sort of thing. What, what say you about that? I mean, have you had problem communicating with people who are working with well, you in the forest or who are experiencing the same things in maybe different ways? Um, well, see, a lot of people that come to the forest are more interested in what happened in 1980 right. and are quite shocked to find that there's still stuff going on actual people that we've got that we've sort of tried to work with and, and bringing in to work with um, you no know, we've not had any problems we've got psychics that come to the forest we've got mediums mediums actually sometimes have a few problems yeah right? I mean one medium who comes here regularly he I actually went on his course a medium awareness course and he was the main medium he comes here quite a lot and he got a message on one of the very first visits and the message he got was, leave the ancients and the aliens alone. That was the message he got. And that was on one of his first visits. But uh, the mediums pick up on all sorts of things. I mean, I couldn't even tell you how many groups of mediums we've, we've walked around the forest with. Okay. And, they, and some of them are good. They're not all good, but majority are pretty good. And they do pick up at certain areas are more active than other areas. Do and you feel that they... Uh, and I'm sorry? That generally speaking, they pick up on the right areas because these things follow you around the forest, you know. At night, it's it's. I say it's quite comical. Um, you'll see one of my pictures there where these things are flying in. I actually had to change my underpants after that night. Oh dear. I was there with Brenda. I was there with Brenda. I was there with Bev, and I was with another lady, Jean. Yeah. These things surrounded us, and Brenda took some pictures. I, the picture that I sent you was one that I took. Brenda mm -hmm. took some pictures and at first she wouldn't show me I said look just show me what it is and standing over me was a giant like a mantis thing I remember I that. At that yeah I thought oh my god and and that and well and the rest of the pictures I was spooked I'll tell you what I couldn't wait to get out of the forest people keep saying why do you keep going back to the forest <laughs> well I Seriously, I don't know because I'm more scared than anybody well, I, 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 I go back I, I feel at home there and I cannot explain that. I remember when when, uh, when Brenda showed that picture, she had it on her phone, to, and Larry Warren, one of the uh, 1980 witnesses who had been in the U.S. Air Force, now, now lives in, in uh, Great Britain, but he, he said, oh, come on, this is too crazy, you know. Hmm. But uh, it, w when we, were t we took pictures of our own, 
In fact, the one we use on our website of us by the East Gate, which is the East Gate of the old air base, and, and there's a That's right. you, uh, you took that picture, as I recall. And yes, uh, yes. there were others that we took where uh, initially, because it's very dark, very often we didn't use a flash because if you do that, you can get um, back flashes from insects or whatever. Uh, and what we did was to, if you lighten them up a little bit, n- n- not mess with them, but lighten them up a little bit in Photoshop, a lot of things come out that aren't in um, the, with the original lighting, orbs particularly, lights in the sky and that sort of thing. So w- we got pictures like that too, not quite as dramatic as Brenda, but we were, we were kind of surprised. You know, well, so we're, we're, the thing is, besides the pictures, we often see these things and think, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, do you know? And and you, honestly, don't wrong. We know deer. There's always deer about. We've seen black cats. They're big black puma-sized black cats. Mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, and one of the telltale things that when we know the stuff about Jimmy is the owls. If the owls start kicking off and screeching and halting and carry on. There's a good chance there's something about. But I'll tell you what, Brenda is more in tune than what any EMF meter is. Honestly, you, you think, she said, if she, honestly, if she says there's something watching her standing over there, you honestly can bet your life she's spot on. But I, I personally feel safe if she's with us, you know, and yeah. Bev. Bev's good. You know, but Brenda, she's just a different kettle of fish. Well, Brenda but Butler has been on the show, and I wish I had the number at, at hand, but it uh, was sometime in 2013, and um, we were talking about yes, similar things, and some of the things that well, happened with her. Yeah, she was on with Ronnie. See, I've been with... That's I've, right. I've, I've walked around the forest with Ronnie. He normally takes his Ronnie dog Dugdale, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, most most people I've, I've met there, in fact, uh, back in September, Larry was there. Um, I've met Larry a few times. Um, Big John Burroughs was there. Will yeah, all, all uh, <coughs> well-known names from the Rendlesham Forest incident in 1980 from the U.S. Air Force. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you'll be surprised that we do meet there, actually. Oh, yes, but there's yeah. But still, there's still witnesses from back in 1980 coming forward. Sure. We had two. Civilian had witnesses, two, too. Yeah. Not, uh, six months ago, we had two the same night. One fella turned up and showed us some pictures, um, and he had his family with him in the car, and he was frightened. He was frightened. He said, they'll kill me if they see these pictures. I said, who's, who's going to kill you? He said, well... Look, he said, these were what we, I took that night. And he had some pictures that he'd taken, and he was still frightened. And this was only about six months ago. What he didn't know was, was some of the pictures we've taken. Mm-hmm. So we shook some of us, and it made me even more spooked. Well, <laughs> yeah, this brings up another, another thing, uh, Derek, I wanted to get into, and that's the, the military activity in areas like this. Now, Reynoldson Forest, of course, uh, was straddled by uh, two uh, the airfields. I, I believe uh, Woodbridge now is a, is a uh, I should say, Bentwaters is an industrial uh, park, uh, right. that kind. And uh, the other, there's still some uh, Royal Air Force activity, mostly helicopters, as I could see. And right. the question is, were these things happening around the bases because the bases were there, or were the bases there because of what was happening in the forest, or at least partially? Now, of course, uh, th- those bases were built during World War II because that's the closest part of uh, the English mainland to when they had to go bomb 
Germany and France and this sort of thing. So there was a practical reason. But there were uh, hints, especially from Larry Warren's experience, about military activity underground that might have had to do with the, the portals or whatever you want to call them operating in the forest. And we, we were... Well, we've been working on a case uh, in the, the state of Connecticut where there were, there were similar things going on, not quite as maybe dramatic, but over a wide area, and there does seem to be some sort of military activity uh, of some kind, whether it's private or government, we don't know. And then, of course, the Skinwalker Ranch business in the western U.S. And, you know, everywhere you go with these things, there seems to be, wherever there's a flap, things going on, uh, place, as in Rendlesham, you have some military, seemingly military interest in this. So that's a long way to lead into a question. Do you think there's still military activity that is uh, that may be related to researching what's going on in the forest? Because you know, we both know they would love to weaponize the paranormal, wouldn't they? Well, let me just pick up on the first point. Larry mentioned underground base. Yes. Yeah? Mm-hmm. What I can tell you is that night, back in 2012, we felt the ground shake like a train passing underground in that little car park. Now, we're not the only ones to feel this. A lot of people have felt the ground shake like something passing underground. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's a train underground or whether or not it's water or whatever, I don't know. But I've lived in London, and I know what the underground sounds like, because sometimes you feel the ground shake sure. when the, the underground, yeah? Mm-hmm. So, and to me, that was a train passing underground. You know what I mean? We could see the, 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 the ripples on the puddles in the car park. Really? Yeah, it's, okay. This thing passed. And on the edge of Engine Forest, of course, you've got what was the radar facilities, yeah? Mm-hmm. At Orford Island... Um, single street, board seat, you've got your radar stuff. But obviously, if you think back to 1980, and think about what I'm saying here, I'm not going to go into it because they let the military guys do that. Radar, especially microwave radar, and nuclear bombs don't go together. No, no, they don't. So, yeah. just, to, just think about what I'm telling you for a minute. Sure, just, sure. Now, just think about different theories here. You've got time travelers, isn't it? Supposing that in 1980 the radar was operating, there wasn't supposed to be nukes at Woodbridge or Bed Wars, they weren't supposed to be there. That's right. As far as we knew, they weren't there. So imagine over the Christmas period they put a good time to test this radar. So they paid off the, the fishermen, so the fishermen aren't fishing. They've got HMS Norfolk out in the sea to make sure that no one's fishing. The Russians get wind that there's something going on there, so they send a submarine out, which was there. And you've got the Big Bear spy plane from Russia flying about, trying to pick up what happened. Well, just imagine if they operate this radar and the nukes had gone off, yeah? Who would have got the blame for it? The Russians. Yeah. Cold War. See, Monroe Nevels, who's another, uh, I don't know if you've met him, Derek, but he's another American witness to the 1980 incidents, and he believes... The whole thing was was the Russians. You know, he didn't believe in the UFO theory it, at all. So even possible. people who were there don't know. But this, well, let's let's look at this another way. We are hundred percent certain, some of us, that there's a portal in Rendlesham. Now, supposing something went wrong that night or over them nights with the fact that they've got nuclear bombs and this radar. Imagine putting a nuclear bomb in the middle of a microwave oven; and it's going to blow up, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, uh, now, let me ask you another thing, because we're, we're burning up the hour here. First of all, uh, is there is there some place online people can find out more about you, uh, or what's going on at Rendlesham, or that sort of thing? I know there are a couple of sites that uh, are dedicated is, to Rendlesham. We are we are in the most uh, process of making putting together uh, a website, which should be up. Okay. Very shortly, it's called Team Rendlesham. We've, we've got that number now. Team um, Rendlesham. So that will okay. be up very shortly in the next couple of weeks. Let Team us know, and we, we'll. Uh, We'll give it some uh, some publicity. I will do. Good, okay. But just think about this. If something went wrong in 1980 and uh, a higher intelligence had to step in to stop a major incident, mm-hmm. yeah? No, yeah, maybe, there, yeah. yeah. Who knows? It's just it's another thought, do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's worth thinking about because put together what we've seen with the paranormal stuff and the different groups that are picking up on stuff now, really blows you away. If you see the stuff we've seen and the pictures we've got, and Larry was correct when he said about the underground tunnel, there's at least one tunnel there, because we, we know that for Adele, because we've felt something past underground. In fact, I, someone told me there was five miles of tunnels there, which I quite believe, because I spoke to a, a fellow whose dad was a contractor building tunnels there many years ago. So there's... there's well, there you go. All right. And they're probably still being used, who knows for what. Derek, do you or anyone who works with you in this area feel that this is going anywhere in particular, or it's just strange phenomena that's just been going on forever and will continue to do so? I think that people's consciousness, certainly ours, our consciousness has been raised just of late. We've all noticed it. We're seeing more, picking up more all sorts going on, you know? Yeah. It, and I think a lot of it's to do with these, Rendlesham isn't the only place in the world, like some of the places you spoke about, like the Skinwalker ranches and places like that. Sure. Stuff that's been going on for years. Yeah. But, I, it's only my opinion, that there's a higher intelligence out there, whatever it may be, and on occasions it has to step in, and certain things are coming through these gateways, because we've seen them, we've seen the things coming through, like, you talked about, I, called, I think you called them parasites? Yes. Yeah, well, we've had some experiences there, not our actual main group, but people have had experiences where these things have locked on to them and drained their energy and made them really ill. Now, whether that's demons, whether it's parasites, I don't know. Yeah. But there are several examples where it's happened in Venetian. We yeah. protect ourselves best way we can. Mm-hmm. Well, now we haven't we haven't heard much from you, Ben, this whole show. And uh, Derek and I both watched what happened to you in that parking lot that night in yeah. 2012. And I know you don't like to talk about this, but you don't really remember. No, what that was. But what, what, I, and you probably, I'm sure you remember this too, Derek. When uh, Ben kind of went down, uh, the, the dog, I believe it was Gordy Goodyear's dog. Uh, Gordy was the fellow who set up our talk there. Uh, started to kind of whimper, and dogs down the road started to uh, to kind of whimper and howl a little bit. That, that that really kind of creeped me out. Do you remember that? I've got well, I've got a little dog, and I won't take him there at night. He gets really frightened at night. Yeah. Um, the dogs that generally hold their own when they get the forest are Gordy's dogs with the huskies. Mm-hmm. He's got two huskies. Huskies tend to hold their own. Ronnie's Labrador does quite well actually. That seems quite happy, but a lot of dogs back off of Rendlesham at night. During the day, it's a different thing. At night, they get spooked sometimes. My dog does. Yeah. He jumps 
car sometimes, you know, and, and that's it. I, I won't take them at night anymore. I'm fighting myself, let alone protecting him as well. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I can't blame you, but I'm, uh, someday maybe I'll figure out why I felt so at home there. I don't know. But uh, it, it's, it's... Maybe because we're weird and you like weird things? Maybe that maybe it's as simple as that, right? Maybe, then, yeah. yeah. So what, do, what are your final thoughts here? Because we're coming down to the end of the wire. Oh, I had a really, really intense question, actually, but I couldn't find a time to put it in. So we, I'll have to save that for next time. Well, I know you didn't want to go back the next day because you also wanted to kind of sack out. But yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we've been running around like all like all over the place. We've been all over southern England that whole trip. And I just I, I <laughs> lived on like just yeah. I don't even I don't know. I was I was I was really tired and that just drained me and I was like I really just can't go yeah, back there. Yeah. I knew if I went back something else was going to happen. I yeah, just didn't want to yeah. deal okay. with it. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Well, Derek, we're just about out of time. Fascinating conversation, and good luck, my friend. Uh, we'll be in touch with you as we always have been, and uh, keep us posted on what's going on, and let us know about that website. I will do. Thanks for having me on, gents. And, and give our best. Give our best to all our friends. Indeed. I will do. Okay. I will do. Very good. Thanks for that. Thank you. All right. Bye very then. good. Okay. Bye. Derek Savory, everyone. The Reynolds from Forest cases this doesn't seem to have any bottom to it. But in any case, again, check out those pictures uh, behind the paranormal.com, the talking points page for this show, and it's uh, they're really something. It may not have any bottom, but it also doesn't seem like it has a direction either. No, well, that, that bothers me too. It just seems like know. it's all over the place. It's yeah, like, it's like yeah. A, someone just threw a bunch of like a giant pail of water and just. Psh- but that everywhere. seems to be the normal nature state of the planet. That's you know, true. We've gone, gone into this too, the archaeological, not archaeological, the astronomical state of the galactic neighborhood at this point mm. uh, is, according to some, very conducive to all sorts of energy flying around, electromagnetic energy, and that, that's what kind of holds the multiverse together is the glue. So that may, may be the walls or brains, B-R-A-N-E-S, as physicists call them, are, are, are thinning, and more things are coming through and there are more intersects or if they want to call them portals in the classical term I don't suppose that's wrong so there we have it anyway indeed so uh, that brings us to our announcements uh, visit our show website that's behindtheparanormal.com where you can find nearly 600 free podcasts of past shows from uh, both ON 1240 and our four and a half year run on CBS radio along with special shows and podcasts and you can find my books I've written a few on Amazon.com Amazon Kindle Barnes & Noble Nook and all those great places but if you buy them directly online at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll be happy to sign them for you, and you'll be help, able to help us keep all those many podcasts free. And also on our websites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted. These include USA Cares, doing great things financially for veterans and their families, and Canadian Veterans Advocacy for our friends to the north, where we have a lot of listeners, and also Youth Mentoring Connection, YMC in Los Angeles, youthmentoring.org, doing great things out there. Tony LeRae is uh, using tremendous um, uh, wisdom from ancient peoples. Nothing strange or occult about it, but just using good common sense to help at-risk youth out there, doing great stuff. So youthmentoring.org. Yeah, we should have him back on the show again. We should, yeah, because we we put him in touch with one of the Peruvian shaman we had on the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I guess they're doing some stuff together. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, yeah. we we still have a little, little uh, a wee bit of uh, of time left. 
Well, I also but, want to know, mention, uh, not to interrupt, but uh, stay tuned after um, our show for the uh, Boston Celtics. We'll be playing, I have no idea who. But, we should uh, have, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why I don't I remember. I usually look it up before the show, but it's very interesting, and it's always a, always a, a great uh, great games they put on, and good luck to them tonight. Indeed. So next Monday, uh, January 19th here on ON1240 and ONWorldwide.com, we will bring you an open line show to tackle your questions on many, many different paranormal subjects. Those things continue to pile up. You know. Anyway, we leave you this evening with a thought from the 19th century Irish writer Oscar Wilde. The truth is rarely pure and never simple. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.